episode nine of our Smoko, where ex-seafarers come together in a safe place to talk ship. This week, we're discussing supply chain strains, the joy of vacuum fenders, and food, glorious and actually not so glorious food. Speaking of which, birthday cake and beers are very much still on the menu for Stu this week, as he continues to enjoy the spoils of a rather significant birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you very yeah, much. Uh, was it was it a joyful occasion? Uh, it, it went perfect. It went swimmingly. Uh, it was. It, it started off wonderfully by my mum disowning me because I didn't turn up on time for my birthday <laughs> because I was stuck on the M25 in a five-hour uh, very oh sad accident, oh and we had to turn around and go home uh, because we had the dog in the car. So that was a that was a great start. Everyone was happy with that. <laughs> um, in the doghouse, literally in the doghouse. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Just small, small breakout parties. And yeah, it's very nice to see friends and family. And it, may it continue for the next six months, I believe it is, at least another six Oh, months. wow. So are you yeah. slowly making your way through all these uh, sailor yes. get-togethers? Yes, yes. So the cohort that I trained with, mm-hmm. still my best friends. I suppose that's, a t- that's stretching it to say friends but they individuals that I've known a long time so we're getting together uh end of this month we're going to the Lake District there is a walk I'm not sure how many will actually attend the hike the walk um and then today off to see some uh, sailor 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 friends Ooh. on a yacht so we're off sailing around the Isle of Wight today there is no wind mm. sunshine is this your S- first sailing trip since the um, unfortunate incident with the tummy bug? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Good luck. It's yes. taken this long to clean the uh, swab the decks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, I dodged it that time. Uh, no, 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 no. These are three uh, land-based uh, friends that are into sailing, yacht sailing. Uh, they are fully qualified. They are entitled to call themselves skipper. Nice. Uh, I am not. I am the least qualified. I am on vigiling duties. I am uh, cleaning the decks, making the breakfast, and being a general uh, uh, deck hand. Uh, the charter company believe that I have no experience and I have no ability to be of any benefit to the yacht. So. But, that hasn't changed in my entire seafaring career, by the way. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's this weekend. That's nice. And, uh, yeah, a few more in the pipeline um, coming along. So, yeah, in the 50s now, nothing fell off, nothing broke the day after. I was able to leap out of bed and uh, a few little things. Typical bloke getting into his 50s. So signed up for my first triathlon in September. Oh, naturally. Wow. Would you, Have we started would you, training yet? No, that's the day before. That's oh. on the, the, the Sunday. <laughs> typical bloke thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on the Sunday, so I'll start training on the Saturday. Maybe on the Friday I'll start, you know, because I'm, I'm more yeah, organised. You've got, you got to put some time into these things. Yeah, you, yeah of course. <laughs> you've got to take it seriously. Yeah. I'm not a competitor anymore, Louise. I'm a completer, not a competer. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. That's a good nice. so I should, I should write I like that. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna write that one down too. How about Stephen and Mike? What have we been up to? 
Well, I was I was chatting to someone yesterday who also has just gone through their fiftieth, and for their new age, they become addicted to the driving range because, as he showed me on an app, it tracks every ball he hits, and now he's become utterly obsessed <laughs> with trying to compete with the world. And he was showing me, oh, I was five inches from the flag. Oh, look at this. Oh, I'm climbing up the leaderboard. Oh, oh, and he, um, yeah, his life <laughs> has become obsessed with going to the driving range. Which, has it made yeah. him a better person, Stephen? A more interesting um, friend? Or is he one you will now be avoiding for the foreseeable? Well, he was very impressed with uh, five inches from the hole. So uh, <laughs> that was fun enough. Please. <laughs> oh, God. Mike, rescue us. What have you been doing? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I really can't top that. Uh, um, uh, well, um, so as, as somebody who's in his late 50s, you know, I didn't do anything too strenuous. I went for a walk. Uh, 70 nice. Odd, 70 odd miles around the Isle of Wight. I did the entire circumference I'm of the Isle of Wight. Flipping done. Well, well done. How, how, how many days? Oh, well, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the thing. So you, you say 70 miles around the Isle of Wight and people think, oh, that's impressive. It's in that now. It took two weeks. No, um, <laughs> no, it didn't actually. We did it in five, uh, five days. So Gorgeous. And what is it? Is there like a coastal path for it's the whole a, it, thing? It, it or is, is it? it? It's a coastal path. Uh, and um, so you great views of the needles, uh, coastal erosion on the, on the, on the south oh. coast, all the multicolored cliffs and stuff. Uh, in fact, in some time, sometimes the coastal path was rather too close to the cliff edge, I thought. But anyway, yeah. um, you sort of say, take a peek over and you realize that actually everything underneath where you're God. standing is gone. <laughs> so, so, Careful uh, but, now. But a tremendous, a tremendous walk and also got some exposure to a bit of shipping technology while we were um, doing oh. that. Um, yeah, I know. I know. I, I call me old fashioned, but I think this is a maritime pro podcast. And I'm going to try and put a ship in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> so I was on a ship called the Victoria of White, and it's the White Link's uh, latest or the newest ferry that in their in their fleet. Mm -hmm. Hybrid, hybrid propulsion. Um, uh, so it's a very fuel efficient. Also, I think notably, it doesn't have any. Um, there's no the mooring system is these vacuum fenders, which basically we all we all know that shipping sucks. Uh, so <laughs> That's that's what that's what happens with this ship what, when it comes alongside this. Mike, no bits vacuum of string. fenders. What do they yeah. do? They literally suck their way to the shoreline. Well, no. What happens is so normally a ship will will, will arrive and it'll put ropes out and it ties up you know bits of string and everything. So and the fenders, the um, inflatable so, bit that stops it. So the, fen it. the fenders are normally what the ship sits against to stop it hitting you know the concrete or metal okay. or the jetty or whatever that is. But these fenders have um, behind them. There's a pump which essentially so the fenders are rubber and it's like a suction cup that goes against the ship they then pump the air out and the ship is held by wow. the by the fender system and it means that no no sailor has to put a rope out or do any of that stuff so um so it's really i mean actually i remember being on board a, a, a cruise ship which i think was in ex it was, i can't remember what the construction cost of the cruise ship was but it was something astronomical you know hundreds of millions of of dollars and uh, I remember the, the the captain saying to me, he says, why are we tying these things up with bits of string? <laughs> so this is, you know, there must be a better way of of of, uh, of, of doing it. But uh, but anyway, yeah, so a bit of technology, um, a, a very long walk. Um, yeah, I don't don't get to see very often, uh, but uh, so it was it was it was really nice to to to, to be out there uh, on one of these ships. So yeah, those fender things sound amazing. Do they do they make a very pleasing pop 
when they release. No, unfortunately, <laughs> no, they don't. But but they, you know, once once the captain decides that it's time to go, he just, you know, he just pushes a button and the ship is released. And uh, that, that. Oh and my god, I love that because it's yes. kind of it's um an evolution in technology, but it's also like it's not a new thing, is it? That's what you used to stick. What what did you used to stick things on with those kind of things to windows and stuff? Yeah. Well, when you have your little bow and arrow set. Oh, and arrows. Oh, yes. So there are. So anyway, yeah, I think it, it is. It is the future. And it, actually, if when you look at when you look at seafarers and seafarer safety, one of the things that injures more seafarers than anything else is mooring activities. And yeah. if you so if you can stop that. So whether it be manual handling you know, or, or rope snapping and you know, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stuff around um, uh, snapback zones and, and all these sort of things yeah. that you have to mark on the deck so people don't stand there because you might lose your legs. So all of that uh, actually goes away with it with this. It just so it's, it's a really whilst people say, oh, you know, you're 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 making linesmen unemployed and the mooring mm. boats unemployed or whatever. Actually, this is a really good application of technology uh, in terms of uh, personal safety, I think, and, and efficiency. And, you, and could it be rolled out? Could it be rolled out for big container vessels, for, you know, giant bulk carriers? Without any problems whatsoever. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. I think they go more magnetic, don't they, Mike? I think there's well, I don't a think magnetic you, I don't think, I don't think putting magnets on ships is good. Generally speaking, oh. that's a bad thing. Not one that's carrying steel, anyway. Well, no. Well, well. If you see, so right. So, what, <laughs> what, what, what is that? You've got to have a certificate for this thing. It's still SOLAS. Whether it's relevant, I'm just going to ask the seafarers in the room to guess what I'm talking about. And it doesn't like magnetic fields. Uh, it around. Oh. It goes round and round, and it might tell you where north is. Oh. oh. Right, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, it's I'll, good. Yeah. I'll, I'll use that today when we're on the uh, on the yacht. I was interested that your your mates are qualified and you've you've managed to succeed in becoming a waffy. I, I yes, so let's not go down that route. What's a waffy? <laughs> oh, excellent, well done, Louise. <laughs> a waffy is a wind-assisted fucking idiot. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> okay, give me a sentence in which you would employ. The word waffy. Oh, very easy. Pilot on board. Good afternoon, pilot. What do we have ahead? We're going to go around the brambles. We'll slow down and then we'll proceed to the berth unless there's a load of fucking waffies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Where would these waffies be? In your way. In your way, generally. There's some, there's some great YouTube oh, okay, videos so of where those encounters have, um, uh, uh, have gone badly. Now I see. So, Stu, you're going to be a waffy this weekend when you're out on your yachty. Yeah, because he's not qualified. <laughs> I'm not qualified. I am qualified, actually, Mike. I'll take that back, please. I'm qualified as competent crew. Oh, okay. Sorry, he does have a... Yeah. I, I don't oh, even have that qualification, so... I okay. do have a use. I can yeah. make the tea. <laughs> I can make mm. breakfast. I can reheat dinner. And I can bring them gin and tonic. I just have visions of you sailing around the Isle of Wight while Mike's walking around and you're keeping him <laughs> pacing. 
with each other. Well, there's no, there's no, there's no wind, so I'd probably beat him. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, wind. That yeah. that that doesn't qualify me for being a waffy though this weekend, uh, does it? Just yeah, a no, fee. You... there is there Um, is nothing there's nothing there's very few things better than being at at sea on a sailing boat when you're under full sail you've got a decent breeze i mean it absolutely feels tremendous the counterpoint to that though is if you're becalmed it's just super crap and you're you're calm on a sunny day for example you're just out on deck and you're just toasting, so you're just burning, and this, 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 the boat doesn't go anywhere. And that's so. And then you got then, of course, you've got to start the the sewing machine up, and and because you know your little little motor, <laughs> and, and and then and off and off you go. So oh well, they're not you know they're not proper engines in 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 sailboats. Usually they're only you know several horsepower or something rather than you know proper proper engine. Oh, yeah, like a hundred thousand brake horsepower versus <laughs> two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've looked at the weather as a, as, as a seafarer, and I can note that there is no wind, so I've added more beers to the cooler. So I <laughs> think that I've done my job correctly. That just shows the importance of contingency planning. Yeah, thank you. There you go. Yeah. Competent uh, crew. A yeah. good friend of mine is uh, currently doing the clipper around the world. So just gone from so went from Philippines over to Seattle. Um, yeah. A few days in Seattle, and they're just on their way down to Panama. Wow, that's exciting. That's pretty hardcore, yeah. Yeah, look at some of the photos. uh, Wow, why on earth would you do that? (laughs) And then do they canal it across? Uh, Yeah. Yes, they do, yeah. Then they sail up to uh, the States. I think they're going to Boston or something. I think so, yeah. 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 Very good. What an adventure. Mm. So what adventures has the world been having since we last all came together? (sighs) Adventures implies Mm -hmm. fun things yeah. <laughs> there's been much fun to be had like, can we just go backwards before we answer that question louise we started Let's... this podcast to be fun and a joke <laughs> oh. and so far our main topics have been covid and how it's disrupted the world uh... the war on how it's disrupted the world and today we sit here in a food crisis that is disrupting the world I think we should just call mm. it quits with this podcast and go back to <laughs> normality. It's it. There's nothing fun to report. Mm. We, we, we are seeing utilities goes through the roof, shortage of um, uh, shortage of gas, oil, f- missing food in the chain. It it's a disaster. Mm. I mean, we're it basically. Is. A podcast about the four horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> well, <laughs> while having a coffee, I guess, is the. <laughs> and no biscuits. And no biscuits. biscuits. No, no. Can't afford biscuits. Get the, can't get the grains for that. Yeah. <laughs> we can't get any biscuits. They've run out of biscuits. But I, I was just thinking, you know, as, uh, as, as things get more expensive and more scarce or both, uh, you know, clearly the impact for, for you know, different areas of the world is, will, will, be, will be different. None of it's good. Uh, except for you know there are you know some commodity prices of so if you own those commodities you're happy mm-hmm. um, people are going having to ship stuff further because they've got to go around problems so if you're a ship owner you're happy um, and it's just the, really the, the the people that are on the receiving end of it all so there are happy people there are people that are making money if you uh, war risk insurance premiums you're happy 
um, because you're able to charge more. So you know, that's, that's one of the things we, we talked about. You know, shipping loves a good war. And mm. In some respects, you know, there are people who become enormously wealthy in, in times of conflict. To, to answer your question, Louise, main topic is it's that's our entire supply chain. And now we're seeing the effects of it ashore. And again, shipping is at the centre of this. It's been at the centre of COVID. It's been at the centre of uh, the war. It's now at the centre of uh, the food chain as well. I mean, was there a statistic, Steve, how many ships are still uh, affected by uh, the Ukrainian war? 109. Yeah, Sorry, I'm not Steve. No, but there was um, 500 seafarers are still... 500, trapped, and, and, and that's 109 cruise. ships in in the Black Sea in the, the Ukrainian Black ports. ports. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and it's 500 seafarers because they did they let they left skeleton crews on mm. uh, on on the majority of them. So it doesn't the number of ships doesn't equate to mm. the normal number of people. That would be a lot more people if it would yeah, be 1,500 sailors at least. I think. And what conditions going to be like for them right now? I mean, they must be. It must be pretty scary horrifyingly scary horrific um yeah i i couldn't i can't even i can't comment i can't comment how bad it will be mm. yeah and a lot of it a lot of it depends on you know so uh, you're obviously you know what were their food stocks started when what, what mm. like when they when they were when they became blockaded you know what was the freshwater inventory when they became because actually if it's just down to the personal consumption, water, you know, the, the ships have got fresh water capacity that will last them an awful long time if it's mm. used. But if, if you're already running out when you got there, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, and then, of course, you've got to have the fuel for because the, 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 the fridges need to work and, and the freezers need to work. So, and so it all depends on what your stock levels were when you got there and, and what access to utilities you've got. So there's a certain, I mean, you know, ships are designed to function autonomously up to you know up to a point um but they need to be you know provisioned and stocked to, to to do that and i, I was going to ask the i was going to thinking of asking you guys a question were there any particular purchases when you were when you were captains were there things that you sort of feared or were particularly sensitive to in provisions because I, I i've got a couple of examples from my days but it's going to ask you that question first in what in what in what context well, you know, there were things that you, you, you either you ended up ordering frequently, too much of uh, stuff you were worried about, not, uh, not, you know, not having enough of. Oh, I, I, I know for sure what was always ordered too much of. Hundred percent carrots. Carrots. Okay, that's it. Well, okay, okay. Carrots, carrots. I don't know. It was always overloaded with carrots, and at the end of each month, I don't know how, but by the time I was, by the time I was old man, it became. <laughs> one of the responsibilities of the captain to do the carrot count at the end of the month. This used to be done with the chief thief. They got rid of the chief thief in the late nineties and that, that uh, responsibility. The, uh, chief thief. Yeah. The chief thief. Being... I can't actually remember what his real title he was. Either called the, he was ships used to carry a chief steward or a purser and, purser. and, the, and the chief steward was the one that was responsible for all the food ordering and he was called the chief thief. Because allegedly, uh, yeah, he was frequently—he was frequently—you know—he he was frequently taking a backhander for for provisions. So if you, it, um, yeah, so if you had the meat, wasn't that was, just taking a backhander? He was taking a backhander, ordering the Stilton cheese for himself, eating it in his cabin while we no. were eating while we were eating rubber 
that was considered to be cheese. Or the meat, the, the, the meat that was only suitable for consumption by seafarers <laughs> and animals. No, Correct. Mike, I still don't believe that you had a, a chest of something on board that said only for animals or seafarers. I it don't was, believe it, was, it. It wasn't a chest. It was a, it was a crate. So that you stopped oh, well, food. Chest crate. Well, so, 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 so people understand ship parks up alongside run out of uh, the fridge is empty. You can't call a cardo. Well, you can actually, uh, it you, comes can now. This, it can, you can, it's, it's this huge uh, articulated truck arrives and it, it's called stores and not every port you do stores. So you've ordered in advance. The chief thief would have ordered everything in advance, six and a half tons of carrots and a couple of peas uh, for us. And a little bit of Stilton with the driver mm. that was given to him port. with a brown envelope and some port. And you would have stores day. So you would be loading and the stores crane would come out and you know, fill up the ship with food. And when you're stacking all of the food, I, I remember vividly, placing the cardboard crates of meat, I'm going to say meat, items, and on there was stamped not only suitable for animal and seafarer consumption. Why? Why equate those two things? I mean, it's kind of funny. But... <laughs> oh, that's, that's, a whole, that's a whole new podcast. <laughs> Stop. You can't do it right No, there. but seriously, it is I... funny, but it's also disturbing. Well, I think what it was saying was that it wasn't that the meat was that bad only animals could eat it it wasn't graded for public sale yeah, if, you want to know, if, if you want to know that the, the podcast on why seafarers and animals can be equated is one for the house of commons <laughs> <laughs> so i just it, it is it's technically grading the meat and it was of low grade it is frozen because everything has all, all meats have to be frozen on the ship defrosted well that depends on minus how, 25 degrees centigrade yeah it depends on how the chef remembers yeah. what's on the menu for the following day depends so, on so, how so, he so, defrosts the, so, the meat so, so stew was subject to the great carrot surplus what about what about you uh, uh red onions i had a terrible incident with red onions i was on <laughs> the ship and we got a new cook and every meal every meal breakfast lunch dinner came covered in red onions i don't like onions at the best of times i certainly don't like them on everything and then one evening i just snapped and i went down to the stores and i got every box of red onions and i threw them all over the side and i literally just did that i went to bed and i was very you happy with myself not. <laughs> I did. Oh, you Stephen naughty Cal boy well yeah. i'm going to check on that i hope you checked yeah. where you were with the marpole uh, garbage yeah. regulations before yeah, you threw yeah, the right. food over the side um yeah. no uh, my mental health <laughs> didn't allow me that latitude <laughs> uh, yeah, i just couldn't so, I couldn't function anymore with my food being covered in onions did you not just pick them off yeah, to an extent, but you know, I just wasn't in my right mind, and that was the only solution. Oh, Steven, to get rid of them all. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I do laugh, but clearly this distressed you. I mean, I'm guessing that the the, the value of food and of meal times—that's one of the few yeah, treats, yeah, it's, nice things on board. And no one ever mentioned it. No one ever mentioned the fact that all the onions had suddenly vanished. No one ever mentioned an onion again. They're just all 
went. Yep. Louise, <laughs> this is not, the, the, being on board is not fun for food. So and, and, and you remind me, you remind me, Steve, Isn't you had red cool? onions. I sailed on a six month voyage with a chef whose nickname was Mince Milligan. God, <laughs> no. Yes, every single dinner was a concoction of, I mean, I know what to do with mince now. Every day, repeated every 14 days, a variation of a meal made of mince. Wow. I don't know what type of mince. It was just mince for six months. And even now when I look at mince, it, it, uh, it's, not, it's not my favorite, if I should say that. But the food on board is awful. Yeah. Well, it's, well, these days, you know, food and nutrition, there are companies that do that. It's part of the MLC, of course, uh, the Maritime Labour Convention. Just I realized I acronymed. Um, so there are there are re- more regulations about nutrition now. Um, but we, you know, I think we, we you know, the, the feeding rate back when uh, Stu and I were captain was around between three and four dollars per person per day. So that's what you've got to spend. Um, and I think, but, but so, so we've got carrots and onions on the, on the food side of things. Um, I, I, my experience was, was, was with beef, actually. Uh, I, I went up to, um, I went to Argentina and I was loading, I think, soybean oil um, for, for, for the Middle East. Um, and I went to Argentina and what, what are the two things, if you, had, if you had to take two things that you would order in Argentina, what would they be? Steak and red wine. Steak and red wine. Well done, Louise. Sorry. So I ordered a bunch of Malbec, got that. And I thought, I'm going to order some beef. And I really thought I'm going to be clever about this. I thought, because I thought if you buy in bulk, normally you get bulk generates discount, right? So I ordered half a cow. So uh, uh, sort of almost a Damien Hurst type of thing, really. And so anyway, we all got the stores on board. This half a cow arrived and the, the crew handled this thing. And stuck it in the freezer and and you know so that there there, there there it was um and off we went we went off to, off to brazil topped off with more soybean oil and then we sailed to the middle east so you got the entire south atlantic and up through the indian ocean to the persian gulf and about sort of halfway through and i'm thinking you know we've had the meals the menus come up the, the cook used to come up with a day's menu and uh, for, for my approval or whatever and i looked at it and i thought okay we've got chicken we've got fish we've got that beef i'm sure we had some beef i'm sure i ordered half a cow and then so i said to the cook i said can you um can we have some beef and of course he just said yes captain i said great excellent and then i used to do around a couple of rounds of the ship every day just checking on people and things and having a little look look see so i I go down towards where the um the stores are because that's part of a captain's responsibilities to check fresh water vegetables you know that, that, that we've got all this stuff and there's all this noise of machinery and 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 I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? And there I've got, so I get, I get into the stores area and there's the, the, the cook and engineers and machine tools trying to cut this frozen cow <laughs> into, <laughs> into steaks and pieces. And they're, they're, it's minus 25 in there. And, oh my gosh. <laughs> and these poor Filipinos in, the, in these duffel coats and stuff trying to <laughs> saw this frozen cow. And I just thought, Ah, there's a lesson there. Lesson learned. Don't yeah. order a half cow. Mike, which way did they half it? Did they half it? I've been trying ways? to picture this. Lengthways. Lengthways. Down the spine. Yeah. So you oh didn't get two God. front legs or two I didn't back get front legs, legs no. Didn't get, and it wasn't just the arse, no. It was a, <laughs> a, a, a half a cow, yeah. It was, one, it was one, hilarious. One of the things that happens a lot is um, 
seafarers fishing over the side like, when yeah. they're in port, whatever. So uh, onions. <laughs> yeah, lots right. of the onions in the net. <laughs> they come in nets, don't they? So we fish for onions. Yeah. Um, one of the ships I was on, we were alongside on the Piscataka River in America, and I was watching a news program, and it was all about how the salmon run was massively down. They'd never had as few salmon going through. So oh, that's bad. And then we received news saying that uh, they suspected that uh, people have been catching the salmon. You're not meant to catch them on the way up. And so, oh, gosh, that's bad. Uh, and then we had a port stake control inspection. Coast Guard came on, and I was showing them around. I was just ahead of the guys, opened a store cupboard, and I've never seen so many dead salmon hung oh, out no. drying. I mean, there was literally thousands of salmon in there, and the crew had just been pulling all the salmon out of the river. And so I was like, I quickly closed the door and I was like, oh, oh no, sorry, wrong way. We've, and I was like, get all the salmon gone. Uh, yeah. And they, thankfully we sailed the next day and. Uh... They didn't smell anything fishy. No, no. Oh, oh, oh Louise. Smoke oh. over. Oh. And... That's where that professional journalism comes in right there. Oh, God. Okay, so um, that's all very informative. I like the nostalgia, but where are we up to at the moment? What's the um, what is going on with the food supply chain at the moment? Do we have cause to stock up on toilet rolls? Toilet roll, definitely. Yeah. On peanuts? On anything else? Well, I don't think. I, don't, I think stocking up is a problem mm. um, because it doesn't already exist. It's not there. There is already the shortage is already here, Louise. We're, we're sort of like talking about something. The, the, the cupboard is bare. And if you are prepared to look for olive oil, luxury mm. these days, or, mm-hmm. or avocado oil, just as an example. A oh, bottle Steve's all right. He doesn't buy that. No. <laughs> that. no, no, none of that. He doesn't do avocados. <laughs> Don't do avocado. Well, I've got a question about avocados in a minute. So olive oil, you know, a standard bottle of olive oil, three, four pounds before. Nine, now nine, ten pounds yeah. Things are so change. why is the price of olive oil being affected? Because olive oil, what, it's comes food, from it's, Spain, it's, food oil. it's because otherwise it could have been, they might have been sunflower oil. So if you can't get sunflower oil, you buy something else. So, and I think I did uh, see, I did so see somebody, I saw, I saw somebody in a supermarket the other day with 10 litres, 10 litre bottles of sunflower oil. And I just thought, how long does it normally take me to get through a litre of sunflower oil? You know, absolutely. <laughs> You're not. So I thought the supermarkets had banned sale of more than two well, bottles some, of oil at one this, time. This this was actually actually this was the the day before that that happened where no there, there, was, there was some announcements about supermarkets restricting purchases. You know, it's, it's that whole thing about panic buying again and just you know this, the weird things that people will you know, suddenly you know you, you think you've got one bottle of sunflower oil that's been in your cupboard for three four months and suddenly <laughs> there's no sunflower oil. I got to buy ten liters. It just yeah. what? I think these people are now recognizing how much is involved in everything that we purchase in the supply chain. Oil, the production of, energy required, transportation, fuel, everything is a knock-on, everything is an add-on to the products Mm. that we we just seem to become accustomed to being on the shelf. Avocado, I know one of Steve's favorite 
items, <laughs> avocados. Have you ever, when you get an avocado, what are the chances it's already rotten when you open it up? And I thought to myself the other day, how many actually get thrown away versus how many actually get consumed? And we've flown these all around the world. Almost and, as bad they, as being an onion. Well, they're only ripe <laughs> for about four seconds, aren't they? You've just yeah. walked past. <laughs> yeah, you've got to eat it as soon as you've bought it. It's, it's crazy. So I think our, it, it's the way that we've been living. It's this uh, immediate, it's this glut, it's this greed, it's this uh, got to have it now, got to have it fresh. And we, we're getting, it, it's changing, life's is changing. It, is that greed though, Stu, or is that just people want to eat nice food and why shouldn't they? I mean... I don't think it's necessarily greed is it I think we just got used to being able to eat what we like from wherever we want to have that product in the world South America Australia New Zealand whatever and now but did um, you need it well arguably we all need to eat no we don't need to eat avocado from South America I suppose What's going to happen as a result of all this tumult? Are we going to start eating more local? Is it going to be a good thing because we are going to be forced to eat more local, more seasonal food? Or is that a pipe dream and we're just going to find other trade routes that are still from across the world, but just across a different part of the world? Oh, you've opened another can of worms, uh -oh. haven't you? Because if we do change and we do go from a globalization, we do go from this global village back to localization then what happens to those supply chains and, and the money that's circulating in those supply chains? It has to be, it has, we have to be making money somewhere. So there's a knock-on effect all of the time. Big investments in fuels and transportation, that's where our pensions are. So yeah, your I think pension the, the, suddenly dies. The big, the, for me, the, the, the big question, and it's, it's a very, very big question, is whether countries will act together or in isolation and how and do because, you what because, do you well i think that the tendency when 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 you're in circumstances like that is to act in isolation you know you're going to protect you and yours mm -hmm. but actually what we generally see is the solution is in working collectively and together um and and that that is usually more effective than, than working in isolation but when a when a population becomes and it depends on you know the, the, the politics of a nation but what we've seen is the increase in nationalism the increase in in those isolationist tendencies pull the drawbridge up you know stop everybody else coming in so you know, all, all that sort of stuff mm. and that's why you know we've we've had free trade agreements and all of these things are where you're trying to act collectively and and collectively seems to be more effective but most dif more difficult acting in isolation is very popular quite often uh, it, it appeals to a certain demographic um, and and um, and that's and that's the tendency and you see even even something like the European Union uh, phasing out Russian oil one country turns around and says I'm going to veto that because they've got the, in, it's not in their interest to implement that button and they may fear you know, the political repercussions or whatever but, but in general so that this this whole thing and we, we talked about the united nations and, and 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 the global governance this is what it's about is do you act in isolation or do you act collectively and and uh, and this is the same for all of the all of the challenges that face us climate change and and and, and feeding the world and everything else so that's that's the question, and that's that's what we will be answered at some point, maybe by our next podcast, but I doubt it. 
How do you feel the wind is blowing at the moment? Oh. You can't go asking massive questions when we've all got to leave smoke and get back to work. Gosh, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. I'd love to, I'd love oh, to just, drop, just drop that one in in there at the end of the coffee break. <laughs> uh, so can we at least depart on a more positive note? I mean, you know, it's been fun and all, but it's also been quite doomy. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Louise, have you just lined all these questions up for us today? It, it's... It, there's nothing fun. Okay, the weather's changing. The end of the sports season, the winter sports season is coming. We're crescendoing with finals in football and rugby and all these wonderful things. But at the end of the day, it's really pretty doom and gloom, isn't it? There's no, there's nothing that we can be cheering about. Um, and if we wanted to be really cheery, particularly here in the UK, and I'm sure it, it, it'll uh, spread throughout Europe and, and the States, interest rates going up, mm. recessions warning of recessions so on top of covid on top of war we just need to you know just kick a man when he's down. economic slowdown Stu, not recession economic slowdown doesn't mean have, a recession necessarily if, if you have three economic slowdowns on mm. the bounce it is yes. technically a recession yes it is so, so we I, shall see i'm <laughs> I, i'm 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 a an optimist by by nature and it's very difficult to be optimistic at this point but i do see so now you're a pessimist no <laughs> it's very difficult i'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a slightly less convinced optimist than, optimist than i have been but i, I do see you, you, of course the news cycle is dominated by negative things but there are some mm. there's there are, there is positive news out there there are people doing amazing things in support of strangers and if we think about that and encourage that, if we see more of that, that's where that the future really is. It's about the, the building of bridges between strangers. Mm. I think that's just so. I and you do see instances of that, and we just need to see more of that. We need to applaud it and recognise it. And then I think yeah, we 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 have a future. But at the moment, on the facts, you turn around and say this isn't looking too great. Really, that's me. No people the problem the machines need to take over the world and we've got the little mayflower that's I heading see. on its own merry little way from the uk over to the states at the moment now steven I've seen that movie it didn't go well <laughs> <laughs> steven i had a conversation with you yesterday you did. in which you dropped something quite astonishing i did yes um a relative like of share? mine was on the original mayflower oh a seafarer on the mayflower Employed wow. by the London Merchant Adventurers. He was my 11th great-grandfather. Uh, 1620 wow. it was, so that was about right. Uh, yeah, and off he went over to America. And now we've got the Mayflower, the little autonomous ship with all um, bristling um, with sensors heading off there. Do we know why the little autonomous ship? I mean, clearly we, we kind of know the story of why your 11th great-grandfather went off on the Mayflower yes. originally. Mm. Do we know why the little autonomous one is going? Well, you've got to go somewhere. And I guess, <laughs> you know, um, that's just a testing whether it works and can it do it's, it. And it's a research Whose project platform. is it? Who is it? IBM. And it's a research platform, Mike. Yeah, it's just testing technology to see whether you can sail something autonomously. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's, that's really it. I, and can I just tie this up, Mike? Would you do we know whether this Mayflower is going to arrive 
and have automatic suction mooring system <laughs> for when it arrives in America. No, we won't need those. Uh, it, it, we won't need those. It's only a small thing. It's only a small thing. So it won't need anything as big as that. And, and the American unions have already said they're not going to ha- handle an autonomous ship anyway. <laughs> so it's not okay. actually going ashore. <laughs> well, it, it will arrive somewhere. I mean, the, last year when they first attempted this, it lasted about, I can't remember how many days it was. Then it had to re- be towed back to port because the technology failed. Uh, and this time you can see the dashboard. Uh, there, there's a dashboard that you can follow the voyage uh, yeah. on, on, online. Um, and we'll see whether it makes it all the way across this time. But it's a real, you know, it's, it's just something where they're testing technology. They'll learn from it. It'll inform the development of autonomous systems uh, more widely. I mean, even though in Scandinavia they're going, you know, they're, 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 they're ordering ships, not, not toys. They're ordering ships and um, uh, autonomous ships. So, um, uh, at the time of recording, it. it's just off the Azores, although it's only making one knot headway so by the time we do our next podcast it'll be by the Azores <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's solar powered isn't it it's got a yeah uh, yeah yeah so it's yeah so it's it's yeah it'll it's fascinating to watch Ish. the start of autonomous <laughs> well, anything, but it's a bit it'll be a little bit like watching stew sailing trip but one not you know this, <laughs> <laughs> but there's no need for sure leave on that autonomous ship is there uh, no. no no true um yeah, uh, well, we can't we can't have a podcast without mentioning uh, Mr. Musk um, and his purchase of Twitter. Yeah. And his intended purchase of Twitter hasn't he only raised about seven billion of the forty-four he needs or something? Well, he's only got you know. Let's not split hairs when we're talking about billions. <laughs> he, he's it's, how much does he need? Forty-two billion. It's in the forties. Yeah. So really, let's just say forty minus seven. You don't need the billion bit. And he believes that he will raise personally more money himself by selling off more of Tesla. And there's a number of high net worth individuals that are also going to back him as well. So I I don't, and there's individuals within Twitter as well, including some of the founders, one of the founders that's going to support him as well and roll over in in, in the deal as well. So I think it's it's, it's not a question of if, it's when. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, and and I, much as I would love to discuss Mr. Musk's purchase of Twitter, <laughs> Stu, <laughs> I really want us to end on a high note. And I fear that Mr. Musk's purchase of Twitter will not lead to a happy high note. OK, well, I'm uh, for that reason, I'm out. I've got nothing happy to finish this <laughs> podcast on. <laughs> no. Well, on a happy note, I won't be having onions on my lunch. So that's good. Yay! <laughs> and, I, and I won't be having mints. <laughs> <laughs> I might be having an avocado. Uh, but we all know what Mike's having for lunch today, don't we? A big tomahawk steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we can get the, the saw. <laughs> oh, tell you what. Yeah, those are the days. Um, no, I'm off to buy some toilet roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, while, while you're there Mike can you get me a bottle of olive oil <laughs> sure thing. I don't like where this is going um, I think smoke is over back to yeah. work everybody back to work Cheers. All right, thanks everyone thanks, All right, see you later thank bye. you bye bye, bye. 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 bye.